Hello and welcome to First Christian Church today. I'm very glad you're with us. My name is Wayne and we're going to spend some time looking at scripture together. I'd invite you to take your Bible, please. Turn right to the middle. Pretty well right, right in the middle of the, of, the, uh, of the book. Psalm 84 is where we're going to read in just a few minutes. And I'm very glad you're with us, as I mentioned, for um, us to gather in a lot of different places all around, literally, literally around the world. Perhaps you've heard me mention in the past that I've had a habit in place really since 1978. For the most part, most days I write in, a, in what would be considered a prayer journal. It's where I write some ideas and some prayers before the Lord and just kind of, I've written in all sorts of books along the way, um, journals that are, you know, leather bound and really fancy and sort of expensive, just straight up notebooks like this one. This one is from 1979. I remember buying it in Sweden, thus the Swedish colors. Uh, Swedish style um, five and dime storm is where I found it basically. And the reason I'm showing this to you today is because, well, I remember what was going on in my life as I was writing in this and talking to God about things that were going on. Uh, and it's when in that period of time while writing in this journal that I discovered the Psalm that we're going to be examining today. Psalm 84 is where we're gonna look. And it has references to things like pilgrimage and the Valley of Baca. And th that language intrigued me to the point where I even wrote to a biblical scholar back here in the US, in Alabama, as a matter of fact, from Sweden. And I said, hey, what do you know about this Psalm 84? What can you tell me about this business of being in the Valley of Baca and this idea of going from strength to strength? He politely wrote back. So you're talking about a number of weeks later, I got a letter back, no email in those days, of course. He politely said, well, really, we have no idea what the Valley of Baca is all about. You should probably figure it out, Wayne. So in those days since 1979, this psalm has had my attention. It's a 41 years long interest. It's a 41 years long study. And so I need to tell you, you're in for a very long sermon, 41 years worth. No, not really. But there are maybe some things we can learn together uh, about this psalm because here 41 years later, I'm still striving to figure out how this works. Would you read it with me, please? Verse one, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young. It's a place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you who have set their hearts. And here's an interesting language. Blessed are those who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the Valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools and they go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look upon our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would, I'd rather... When it comes down to it, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. The Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Now, 
I need to tell you, friends, in a nutshell, this psalm is really bringing some of your thoughts to paper. And you go, well, I don't remember writing something like that. Well, here's what it's all about. It's, it's the same as you. The psalmist says the same thing. You wonder about your spirituality. You wonder about growing and changing it and, and walking, if you will, into a better life approach. And perhaps you don't see all that in the psalm at first glance. But let's discover together how this describes, it describes you, it describes me, it describes us in the core of our souls. So the first part of understanding this psalm involves, well, some background material that isn't quite so obvious at first glance, at first reading through it. But if you could think about this psalm from the perspective of a citizen of ancient Israel. See, remember, the people of ancient Israel had a unique perspective regarding their nation's relationship with God. They were the only nation that could point to the reality of God's existence. All the other nations around them had lifeless idols that had proven their lack of power by doing nothing. All the pagan gods around never did anything. Why? Why did they do nothing? Because they were dead. And that is in direct contrast to the God of Israel, Jehovah God. Jehovah God had performed, if you will, almost too many miracles for the nation to track. They'd been delivered from 400 years of slavery in Egypt through a series of plagues that had tormented their tormentors. They'd seen the Red Sea parted in front of them. For 40 years as they'd wandered around the Sinai Peninsula, God had provided food each day. They'd conquered the pagan tribes of the Promised Land. They had seen Scripture's promises fulfilled through the power of this living God. They'd settled in cities that they didn't build, and they drank from vineyards they didn't plant. God had provided for them over and over and over again. And there's one other thing that was very unique about, and is very unique, about Israel's experience. And that is that because they served a living God versus a dead pagan idol God, Israel experienced the ongoing presence of God through their nation's story. In every time of crisis, in every time of questioning or triumph, at every moment, the nation could point to a particular geographical spot where God's very real presence had come to earth, literally. You know some of that story, perhaps. God had visited them on a mountain, Mount Sinai, giving their leader Moses explicit instructions about how they were going to develop the nation's religious and political ethos with laws and rules and ways to put it together. God had come to the mountain. He'd been enveloped in a big, large cloud. And that mountain became a sacred space because God's presence, God had actually showed up right there. Well, here's another example. A few years after 1000 BC, King Solomon built a temple in the center of Jerusalem, the capital city. And God made that temple a sacred space because as the opening ceremonies were taking place, God showed up. You could say as they were cutting the ribbon, so to speak, God's presence in the form of a cloud entered into the building. And that cloud of God's presence was there until the temple was raised by the Babylonians, cut down, destroyed in 586 BC. And so for the ancient Jews, knowing that there were these places where God had showed up, access to the temple, particularly in the center of their capital city, access to that temple was access to the presence of God. 
it was the culmination. If, if you're an ancient Jew, you at some point wanted to be in Jerusalem and be part of this, a religious pilgrimage that you could say, man, we are going to be people who move into that place. That's where we're headed. And that's why you sense them in verse 3. This, um, the, the psalmist, he almost has some jealousy of people who are not, not people, but in this case, birds who get to get there, go in there just very easily. He says, even the sparrow has found a home, the swallow a nest for herself where she may have a young, a place near your altar, my king and my God, Lord Almighty. And he's basically, you know, he's saying, man, I wish I could be like the birds. They can get into the outer courts of the temple by just flying in. He wants to be as close to God as possible. Look again at the next verse. There's still longing within him to be in the presence of God, to experience God. Where do I have to go? Where do I have to walk to, to, know, God's full, to know God fully in the fullest way possible? He says in verse 4, Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. When we say blessed in that particular case, you could almost think of it this way. You could almost say, congrats, congratulations to those who dwell, who live in God's house, the temple. They get to be in a really cool place. They get to be where the presence of God is. Remember that the Israelite tribe of Levi was assigned to work in the temple. That was their vocational, their, their vocation. That was their daily work. They get close to God's presence and to work there in the temple. It's almost like the writer is saying, wowzers, and, and this longing, I wish I had their job. And I say thou all of that because when you get to verse 8, you realize this guy is not getting to hang out in that sort of place. He's got folk around him who we would say, well, they're, they're not the sort of Dale Carnegie, Carnegie folks, you know, who, who know how to attract friends and influence people. Look at what he says in verse 8. He says, hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look with favor on your anointed one. And, and, you know, I would say, God, it's better for me to be one day in your courts, one day in your presence, than a thousand days elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. In other words, I'd rather be on the lowest position on the totem pole in the house of worship as compared to hanging out with the best of the worst. Or in other words, I'd rather be in a house of worship as compared to hanging out about weird stuff like hanging out and worrying about COVID-19 all day long because even the worst position in promoting worship is better than any days in the best of places if I have to hang out with people who have no clue or an inkling about you, God. God, one day with you is better than 10,000 elsewhere. Yeah, you've heard that before, right? You're going to hear it again. Watch this to see what I mean. Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere.
So welcome back. If you're like me, you're kind of like those singing in that song in that video we just watched of our own people doing some really cool things musically. They're expressing the words of the psalmist. They're expressing um, your call and your, my, my longing, and that is to be close to God's presence. You're like the psalmist who said, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. This is who I am. My soul yearns, I, to the point where I'm even faint. It even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. I, I, I want to know this living God. The p dead pagan gods of the other religions, they're done with. I want to know this living God. And that describes, I'm certain, the longing of your heart. 
Which brings us to the issue that's been with me or presented to me in 1979 and has been around since then. Because apparently there's a journey involved in this business of understanding and experiencing the full presence of God. There's a journey apparently from the tents of the wicked to the place of worship, the place of God's presence. The psalmist calls it a pilgrimage. He puts it this way. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Congratulations, if you will, to those whose strength is in you, whose heart are set on pilgrimage. They're going to move forward. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. This right here, this Baca, that's what I wrote to the, to the scholar in, in, uh, in Alabama saying, what do you know about that? That's what got, caught my attention. What's Baca? As they pass through that valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. That's the passage of scripture that um, prompted me to write the letter to the biblical scholar. <laughs> he came back with this amazing statement that I must tell you as a 21-year-old was kind of stunning. He said, well, those of us who are biblical scholars, we neither have any idea where Baca, that valley of Baca, might have been located, nor its meaning. And I remember sitting on the bus with the rest of the musicians traveling through Sweden, getting ready for another concert. I remember thinking, reading this letter, great, great. What does that mean? Can I tell you, friends, biblical, scholar, biblical scholarship has not changed much in the interim. The valley of Baca has not yet been discovered. But here's what I've discovered in my life. Baca must have been a place of dryness, a place of sorrow, a place of fear, even of weeping. And coming through that pilgrimage from that sort of place to God's presence, coming through Baca becomes a place of spring and pools. Moving through that area brings strength. Moving through the struggles and the dryness of isolation, it's hard. However, moving through it brings springs and pools of water and strength. Maybe I could explain it this way. We right now here in the U.S., we're in the middle of spring, uh, which is we're thrilled about. But for my family in Australia, in the southern hemisphere, it's fall, or as they would say, autumn, autumn. Their seasons are opposite the northern hemisphere. But in spring in Australia, in Ausland, uh, it can be a little dangerous in a few places at various times in spring because you know that there are many wild animals only found in Australia that can be just, I mean, you can die easily, not easily, but get the wrong animal, you're in trouble. And um, one of the wild animals that presents a bit of problem during the spring is the Aussie magpie. Now there are magpies here in the US, in North America and in Northern Europe. But the magpies that are in Australia, they are a different species than what we have here in the Northern Hemisphere. Here's one right here. It looks, well, isn't that a lovely bird? Well, it's a bird about this size, anywhere from 14 to 17 inches sort of in diameter in space. And during the spring, they can be vicious, particularly if you are on a bicycle riding past their nest. As a matter of fact, the Aussies have gone to creating very unusual looking contraptions like this, where they want the, the, the magpies to not attack their helmets. But apparently, for some reason or other, Aussie magpies attack cyclists' head in the spring in some areas. Look, here's, here's a guy right, see, look, they keep going after his head 
<laughs> Imagine if you're, dry, you're riding down the road, you're minding your own business, you're out for some exercise, and this thing comes flying at you. Why am I telling you this? Well, Barker, in my mind, this Valley of Barker, sounds to me like an Aussie magpie area. It's not fun. It's a place where there might be some danger, and you've got to have all kinds of protection. Who are we kidding? COVID-19 is not fun. Isolation is not enjoyable. But walking, cycling, if you will, getting through that place of ugliness, getting through that valley of Baca, what's the psalmist say? It says, if you get through it, you get to go into God's, pro, into God's presence because pilgrimaging through struggle brings us from one strength to the next strength to Zion, it says. You know where Zion is in relationship to Jerusalem? in relationship to the temple of God's presence. So in the ancient world, in ancient Jerusalem, it would be fair to say that if you wanted to live in the city proper of Jerusalem, you probably had to be quite wealthy, even as it is today. But you know the closest town outside of Jerusalem? is called Zion, Mount Zion. It's literally, you walk just a few minutes down a hill, across a little dip, and a few minutes back up the side, the, the, the side of, the, of the hill, down and up, and you can live here, walk through that way, and you can get right up to the steps of the temple in the ancient world. You can still do it today. And here's what the psalmist is saying. I'm on a pilgrimage from Baca, from this place of sorrow, this place of dryness. And as I'm, pilgrim, pilgrim, as I'm being a pilgrim, if you will, going through this, I'm moving from one strength to the next strength, to Zion, to the temple where I'll have this absolutely close proximity to God. What's that for you today? Because somewhere along the way, I suspect all of us have had to withstand some magpies flying at us. You might have had to withstand some worries about COVID and isolation. You may have had to walk down the hill and back the up, up the other side. But friends, I want to tell you this. God's presence is available to you. Remember our goal for this sermon series. We, we said that throughout this dwell series, we wanted to echo what the psalmist said when he said, this is, this is the one thing, one thing I ask from the Lord. This is only what, this is what I seek. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. I, I want to be right in the presence of God. I want to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. Friends, that's my goal for you. That's God's plan for you. And I want to tell you, friends, that's this church's hope for you. You could think of it this way. I've been on a pilgrimage with God for years. My prayer journals and my remembrances show change and development for a lot of years. I'm not the same man that I was when I was writing in this at age 21. Of course not. But you know what? If you read the journals that I write in these days and the prayers that I have these days about my life, you'll not only see that maybe some of the issues of back then I've been dealt with, but you'll also see that there are still places of struggle and baka that I have to work through. I can say that I've moved from strength to strength to strength, but there are still some places where I'm on a pilgrimage, and so are you. You've come part of the way through the help of God, and you've got a ways to go yet. And so I would say as, as the representative of our congregation, we want to help you. 
We want to help you as best as we can. The church's website has all sorts of helping tools. If you know the website, it's called firstdecatur.org, F-I-R-S-T-Decatur.org. And we've got all kinds of things out there on the website that you could could help you part, be part of this walk, part of this pilgrimage of going from a place of dryness and sorrow to a place where you're going to say, man, I've walked more into the presence of God. We've got some short devotions and daily, read, daily readings that coincide with the sermon series. There are places where you can request prayer. There are conversation spots where you can ask for a chat or a phone call with a staff member who can lead you into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Simply go to the church's website, firstdecatur.org, F-I-R-S-T-Decatur.org, and go to the COVID-19 care tab on the front page of the website. We'll be in touch with you. We'll help you understand this reality, that as you desire to be close to God through Jesus Christ, and as the magpies are nagging at your head, Jesus Christ has provided the fullest way to access to God. Jesus Christ has the way to answer your deepest desire to experience God Almighty. In fact, Lacey Phillips is coming right now to pray with you and with me and to point out that through Jesus Christ, this is what the scriptures say, we can approach God's throne of grace with confidence. We can come into the presence of God with confidence that through Christ, we can do that, and as we, as we walk into that place, as we pilgrimage to that place, we will receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. I recognize that it's all through Jesus Christ's work that we can come close to God. I trust that you've also experienced that. Stay with us for the next few minutes and let us together approach God's presence through Jesus Christ. And here's, my, here's, my, here's really what I would like you to experience today. May God's best blessings be upon your life this day and this week. God bless you.